Today on Outflow, we're going to talk about strongholds. You don't want to miss this. So grab your Bible and grab whatever you need to take notes, and we're going to get right into the Word of God. I'm Alan King, and this is Outflow. Hello and welcome to Outflow. I'm Alan King and I'm joined today in the studio by our guest and friend. I said last time I wasn't going to call you a guest anymore because <laughs> you're just pretty regular around here now. Uh, my friend and pastor, Philip Stepp. And uh, Philip, I'm so glad that you're here today. I, I love doing this. I, I just uh, I get lost in the time. You know, don't even. Uh, we next thing you know, we've gone 45, 50 minutes, and uh, and I, I love it because we just I just love the conversation we have. And today we're going to talk about um, something that I feel like is often neglected, but very real. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about strongholds. Um, Well, good. Let me open with a word of prayer. Absolutely. Lord, we just open our heart to you. And uh, we we know, we know you are a stronghold. Uh, The righteous run into the the name of the Lord and are safe. And so, Lord, we run into you as our stronghold. We look to you as the author and perfecter of our faith. We open ourselves to the Holy Spirit so that you would reveal yourself to us through the through through my weak attempts to to share what's on my heart. Uh, that you would speak to people's hearts and that they would get to know you better. Uh, I just really want people to to love you more and more because the more I know you, the more I love you, and I'm so inadequate in my love. And but as I know more and more about you, I love you more and more. So I just pray you open our hearts. And we'll receive straight from you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I, uh, when I pastor the church, they, you know, when you preach, people will learn what you're going to say before you say it, you know. And if you, you've been here 20 years, you know, you run out of jokes after about 10. You know? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, no, I don't know. I, you know, I do stand up. Oh, okay. Sometimes. So you got you got when, a big reservoir of jokes. And everybody and, asks me all the time, where where do you get all these jokes? And I say, I have four daughters, and I pastor a church. I pastor a I church. Got plenty of material. So you got it. You got it. So one of the things that they all learn real quickly, I, I I was prone to say, is this a good thing or a bad thing? And and they they learn quickly, and they they they'd all yell out, it depends. And that was the answer, you know. <laughs> There's a lot of things about is it a good thing or a bad thing, and strongholds is that. It, yeah. it depends. Yeah. Uh, it is wonderful to have strongholds as long as they're godly strongholds. Mm-hmm. We get in a lot of trouble in the body of Christ because we take our opinions and call them strongholds. And then since my opinion is different from yours, then we divide. Yeah. And that's it's sad. Uh, so we have to be careful to understand what's straight word of God and what's our opinions. Uh, and so uh, now there's one thing I ask. It's a, sort of a trick question. Is repentance a good thing or a bad thing? It's, it's not. It depends. Repentance is always a good thing. Right. <laughs> you know, Re- to repent is a good thing. And I tied the two thoughts together. And, and what, I, what I thought about as I was thinking about today is I wanted to talk about repentance as it 
refers to strongholds as it, wow. it, it, it has a, an effect on. See, none of, none of us are perfect in our doctrine. You know, I, I, I like a lot of Calvinists, but I'm not a tulip guy. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I, if you don't understand what it don't matter if you don't understand. It's just they have some good points, but they carry it to extreme. I'm uh, I have a lot of friends who are charismatics and I, I'm full gospel. I don't know what I am. I believe in I believe in being baptized in the Holy Ghost. But uh, there's a lot of charismatics who have opinions very strongly held that I don't agree with. Right. And we have to. Uh, and but when somebody that I trust or that has a good track record brings up something that I don't agree with, it's to my advantage to examine it. Right. And but that takes humility. Yeah. And it takes sometimes you have to repent. Uh, I know it's hard to believe, but I've been wrong a time or two. And and I, I I've been there. Yeah, I know. I have. I, I'm, I've been in the I, I mean, I, my dad was a preacher, or is a he's still a pastor. Um, and I've been preaching for almost 45 years now. And I, I, there's a lot of stuff that I believe now that I didn't believe when I first started preaching. There are things that I, that I believed that I no longer believe. And I'm, I'm evolving in a lot of areas, but I got to stay in the book. Yeah. I'm staying in the book. Um, and it goes back, you know, we talked about this on the last podcast, context. Context. A lot of things I'd take out of context, and it it, it affected me. But, but yeah, I love that about going back and, and examining and reexamining and, um, because I, I believe that, uh, that it's important, part of the growth process. Some of my deepest, best friendships over the years has been with people who uh, would come to me with a disagreement. Yeah. And sometimes – we work, work met in the middle, and sometimes I was right, and sometimes they were right. But you know what? We became good friends. Yeah. I, uh, in the ministry, sometimes people are almost afraid to bring it up. But then when they learn that you enjoy it, and uh, m- most of my life, people have done it, done it respectfully. Mm-hmm. I try to respectfully disagree. Yeah. There's a way to do it. You I'm know? still waiting to see what that is between us, though. Ed. I think we agree on everything. That's we're scary. That's we're, scary. We're perfect. We yeah. agree. <laughs> <laughs> At least we're if we're wrong 20% of the time, it's the same 20%. If everybody just agreed with us. That's all you got to do. <laughs> agree with me and we'll get along fine. Right. I need a T-shirt. Like that. <laughs> yeah. let, me, let me read the scripture because, you know, I like I like to have nice little sayings and stuff, but only thing I really bring is the Word of God, and everything I, I say needs to be evaluated. So I'm in Second Corinthians chapter ten. Many of you know this scripture, Second Corinthians chapter ten. I'm going to start in verse uh, three. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of strongholds. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God, and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ, and we are ready to punish all disobedience whenever your obedience is complete. You're looking at things as they are outwardly. If anyone is confident in himself that he is Christ, let him consider this again within himself, that just as he is Christ, so also are we. That's just, I mean, how many sermons could you get out of this? Oh, yeah. 
Does it? Does anything stand out to you in that one? I, I my favorite part of that is where it talks about. Um, I I know it, but I want to look at it to make sure I get it right. Uh, the, the, casting down arguments and everything that exalts itself above the knowledge of God, the knowledge of God, and it blows my mind that we can actually have thoughts or beliefs or whatever that that we think are so right mm. but it, it is actually contrary to the knowledge of god and that's our standard that's our standard the knowledge of god and he cast down everything that exalts itself above his knowledge and he'll say that's wrong you're wrong and i'm not going to allow that to stand you know <laughs> And and that's the part that I pull from that that just has always just stuck out to me, Lord. Is this, is this? Am I trying to exalt my thoughts above your thoughts? Uh, because if I am, it's not going to succeed. Well, a stronghold is a military term, and, mm-hmm. and it, it's a fortified structure that puts up defenses. Mm-hmm. Well, and so if if the if you defend what you're defending is correct, then it's a good thing. Yeah, we we don't need to be swept about about with every wind of doctrine and all the f- foolishness and you know every everything that people say in the name of the Lord's not Him. You have to right. know it. Yeah. But <laughs> for those of us, I assume most of us are church people, and most of us, I hope, are Christians. Is watching it. But uh, when you got saved, did your all your opinions instantaneously change. Mm. Mine didn't. I drug, I drug all kinds of stuff in with me. <laughs> of course, there again, you know, you came. From, we we talked about this before. You came from a different spectrum than I did. I I felt like we were we were right. You know. We, oh yeah. We were holy as we I've can always be. been right. Yeah. Every moment of my day, I've been right. We we were we were as holy as we could be, and we didn't need to be no holier. <laughs> <laughs> and so we bring that with us and you know the the psychology of it is sort of like you come in and whatever group you come in with if they reaffirm what your opinion is then all of a sudden you get entrenched yeah and there's just a lot of entrenchments in the body of Christ, of which, you know, we I don't think I said it this podcast, but I've said it here before. You know, if I'm right 75% of the time, I'm a superhuman, you know? I mean, I, I hold thoughts that are not totally in line with my Lord. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes now as I've gotten older, somebody will say something and I'll realize it just doesn't smell right. Yeah. It just doesn't taste right. And... uh, uh so we're you're talking about pulling down strongholds. There's there's ser- several things you and I deal with it all the time. I have to deal with it in me. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you might say something. Uh, there's been a couple times where I'd come to you and I'd say, "What did you mean by that?" And it, it it wasn't necessarily I was against it. I just want to make sure I understood it. And every time I've understood and we've agreed. But but that's the way we grow. Yeah. Is uh, you might say something. And I say, "Well, you know." Have you seen it from this viewpoint? Or you might say, this is the way I'm looking at it. Boy, that the body of Christ needs that. Oh, yeah. yeah. We really need it. And um, uh, so well, let me ask you, to see if, it, if it's, it's a flying thought or not. Is uh, Can you see a correlation between uh, humility, repentance, and strongholds? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And... Y- 
I've been doing this a long time, and honestly, Philip, I I don't know that I have ever thought about the fact because when I hear strongholds, I'm thinking demonic strongholds. Yeah, yeah. But I've I'm seeing this in a way I've never seen it before that there are good strongholds. Yes, that definitely come through repentance and humility. Um, I, I I think there is a correlation there. Well, I was hoping I'd get to read this. Did I didn't I know that right. I'd, yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I was hoping I'd get to read this. I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, and my stronghold. Yeah. And I've read that. I don't know how many times, but it never. It never. There are spiritual strongholds that are good. And maybe I knew they were there, but maybe yeah, I've never yeah. called them strongholds before. And and um, the enemy has done a really good job of tearing down very important strongholds of our faith. Oh yeah, yeah. There are, there are certain not many, not, I may, maybe ten or so. There's not many things that are not negotiable. They are they are things that are not negotiable, right? And uh, uh, so a stronghold becomes a pattern of thinking, and uh, way way I like to look at it is that whether it's a good or bad, okay, it begins with a a, a thought, mm-hmm. and then when you entertain the thought, it sort of takes a beachhead, which is. Military guy, I'm think I'm not a military guy, but I've always liked the military. A beachhead, they at Normandy they t- they had to make a beachhead, they, and so the thought is there, and then when you entertain the thought, it becomes a, a beachhead, mm-hmm. and then the longer you dwell on that, the the enemy can come in or God's spirit can come in, but they come in and they build on that beachhead, and then all of a sudden it's like you end up in Berlin and beating Hitler, you know, and it starts with the beachhead. And so uh, the seeds thoughts starts with a thought. And uh, a lot of us say this, and I think it's true, the main battlefield is the mind. Oh, yeah. You know, James talks about that uh, sin is conceived first in our mind. Oh, yes. And then it moves to our heart. That lust, when it's conceived, moves into our heart, and that's where it becomes sin. I struggled as a young Christian. I, st- I struggled because every thought I thought was sinful. And when I would think things, I'm like, oh, Lord, forgive me for even thinking that. But it didn't become sin until it moves to my heart. We can't help what mm-hmm. my, my, my old pastor used to say. Um, when, when I was a little boy, I had a pastor that uh, um, my dad was an evangelist, but we had a pastor, and she would always say, you know, you, you you can't help the bird that flies over your head. Just don't let it build a nest. That's right. And that that's the difference. That's, that's right. That's when it becomes a stronghold. It is. And it, it begins with that thought that we entertain. Yeah. And so then part of this that we read, take every thought captive. Yeah. That's a discipline. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think there's a lot of words that we have made, four-letter words in the Christian faith that we shouldn't have. <laughs> A discipline is not a four-letter word, but we treat it like it is. Yeah. Uh, discipline, if you're going to be a disciple, you have to be disciplined. And and I think that discipline a lot of times may, mainly is discipline of the mind, oh, yeah. the way you think. Yeah. And uh, uh, 
I, I refer a lot of times to the the 4-H club of sin. Oh, yeah. And you see this in the life of Adam. You see it throughout the scripture. Sin has a 4-H club. It goes from your head to your heart to your hands, and then you go into hiding. Mm. Um, mm. But it all starts right? being able to bring those thoughts into captivity and to say, not in my house. I've got to, I've got to, uh, and it's hard to do sometimes. It is. And uh, it's a lifelong endeavor. Yeah. And uh, uh, last segment we talked about laws and principles, and one of them that I didn't mention was the law of use. If you don't use it, you lose it. Mm -hmm. It's atrophy. And uh, so this this walk is not one that we begin to coast. When you begin to coast, I played football, and uh, I took a lot of licks. Uh, the only time I really got knocked out for a few seconds was uh, it was near the end of my senior year, the last practice or so, and I let up. Mm-hmm. And somebody hit me, and, you know, you can't let up. When you're on a football field, you can't let up. And when you're in a war, you can't let up. Every thought is important. Yeah. And uh, we're being bombarded. We've been bombarded with horrible thoughts all yeah. the time, a worldview that's just not right. Yeah. We gotta we gotta know what truth is. And and this is it. Yeah. And uh if it doesn't if it doesn't I believe in prophecy. Mm-hmm. I believe in apostles and prophets and and dreams and visions. But if it doesn't line up with this, there's no new revelation. Right. right. We're not I'm not gonna be led by somebody's dreams and visions. Yeah. I'll put them up on a shelf and say, yeah. Well, you know, let's see if that comes to pass. But when they can and if they if we ex I don't know if I can say this let me know if you understand what I'm trying to say. Once we extrapolate a single data point beyond the pure word of God, we get in a little bit risky area. It's the knowledge of God. It's the knowledge of God. It's it's the thought that tries to exalt itself above the knowledge of God, and He won't tolerate it. He won't tolerate. He it. said, "I'll cast it down." That's right. <laughs> and so, <laughs> I'm thinking I might change a, a little bit of a, a little direction change just a little bit since I'm talking to religious folks. Okay. Uh, and I don't mean that in a bad sense. You know, uh, Christianity is a religion. It's the way we look at God and stuff. But there is a spirit of religion that we don't like. And right. so we got to make sure we're not getting into that spirit of uh, religion. So what I like to tell people is being a Christian means more than knowing when to say amen. Yeah. See, in our in our we it's so easy for us to pretend. It's so easy for us to fabricate a personality that that matches you know and are you with me oh yeah it's just so easy and and so what happens is this discipline we have to apply it when we're in church it's it's not that that a preacher saying something that's totally an error but if if we do not discipline our mind to take that thought captive we can end up down the road that's going to end up with a lot of trouble yeah and and so I think my prayer is that if we're ever going to have unity in the body of Christ, even in this church, I mean, and we're working in unity, we're 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 firing on a lot of cylinders right now. Is we have to first be humble. Yeah. I think it. What we've talked about this, where the moves of God go astray, yeah. they go astray because of pride. Yeah. And and did you use the life about this? We four no more. That's what we used to say. We four, no more. We got it, and nobody else has it, you know. And then when somebody brings up something that's outside our tradition or outside our opinion base, 
And uh, we all have opinions. I, w- I wish I was right. I wish I was perfect. <laughs> it just ain't going to happen, bro. Yeah. But even that becomes a stronghold. Yes. That keeps out truth because we build it up, you know. And, uh, I, I, you know I made the statement a few two or three podcasts that you were with me before that um, that religion's next door neighbor is pride. Pride. And and it keeps out truth. And that becomes, you know, religion is a stronghold. Um, again, not, not, I mean, Christianity is a religion, but like you were saying, that the systemic, traditional, uh, that, that becomes very much a stronghold. Yeah, it's a stronghold. Yeah. And it's, Christianity is supposed to be a thing of beauty yeah. as well as truth. Yeah. Whew, that's a tough balance. We make it so much harder. Oh, we make it so much harder <laughs> than it's supposed to be. Yeah. And, and reli- you know, I don't know how many observation points I have, but numerous uh, religious people tend to act ugly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hard. You know, you look at people's countenance. Uh, somebody that I thought was a, a pretty, pretty close to being a prophet was a guy named Art Katz. And he used to say, by the time you're 25, you're responsible for your face. Wow. <laughs> he said, you can't change your features, but you can show. He said, and I've seen it. And I know you've seen it. I've seen hard people come to know the Lord. And their their countenance changes. Yeah. They get their eyes get bright. We had a we had a lady in Marion that came up to the altar one day, and uh, she was bound. And I did what any good preacher did. I called for the women of the church, and they took her downstairs. I mean, she was she was as bound as anybody I've ever been around. I've been around a few bound people. And they went down there, and they started praying with her, and they, they prayed with her every week for a long two or three months, and it was like peeling an onion. And one Sunday, Lynn came up to me and said, do you realize that she has beautiful brown eyes? We'd never seen it. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> so, we're, so, so that hardness, that's not a thing of beauty. Right. That doesn't attract people. Right. Uh, the people. Most of the people that are lost don't care about mode of baptism. Yeah. You know, or, or <laughs> tulip, or you know, they don't care about uh, those kind of things. They're, they're looking for answers, and if we can somehow, Lord, help us. I'm praying, Lord, help us to balance beauty and truth. Yeah, they just want to be free. Yeah, and and see if if we're if we're following the the leading of the Holy Spirit, we're going to achieve that balance. Over a period of time, he's he's moving us to a more of a balance between beauty and truth. Wouldn't that be wonderful oh, if yeah. we could have a congregation of people who could walk in that balance between beauty and truth? Yeah. And going back to the strongholds, uh, I was a, a Presbyterian deacon, well-trained in the Calvinist way of looking at things. And uh, I, I, won't, I won't tell the story. It, we, Lynn and I decided to have a home Bible study group, and I invited the men at work, and one of the men said, "said I, I, I'm getting transferred to second shift. I can't come, but my girlfriend probably won't come." And I found out a little bit about her, and, and uh, she was a strong Catholic. And uh, uh, so I, I went back to my fundamental 
Presbyterian Church and told them what was happening. And they said, oh, yeah, she's, she's Catholic, said she might get saved. Well, what happened was she was part of the charismatic renewal in the Catholic Church. And boy, was she saved. And she was filled with the Holy Ghost. Mm-hmm. And I knew a whole lot more about the Bible than she did. But she had something I didn't have. Yeah. Now, had I been of the attitude of maybe she'll get saved because she's a Catholic, I would have missed one of the biggest blessings of my life because she kept chipping away at my opinions about it's okay for you Pentecostals to do these crazy things, but I'm not going to do it. (laughs) But boy, wasn't that something? Now, I'll have to say that her she eventually married a guy, and they didn't stay in the Catholic Church very long, but there was a strong move in the Catholic Church in the early days of the charismatic mm-hmm. renewal. Most of them got out of the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. But in it, what if I'd have shut her off? Yeah. And and she had something I didn't have. She had the Holy Ghost, mm-hmm. you know? And uh, so we let her teach us about things that we didn't know anything about, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And uh, at that time, I actually had a nun. Uh, one of the ladies, a Catholic lady that came to our Bible study, we had a big Bible home Bible group, and she had a sister who was really a nun, <laughs> was really a sister, and she sat in our living room prayed in tongues. I thought that was pretty neat. You know? <laughs> but uh, I guess what I'm getting at here in my mind and heart is that we have to be careful that we don't close out revelation because somebody's a little different from us. Religious strongholds. Religious stronghold. Yeah, it keeps out, keeps out truth. Um, a stronghold can keep in truth. Yeah. And so what happens is we're under constant bombardment of of lies, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm concerned that the younger generation has bought a lot of the propaganda, and we've got we've we've allowed the devil to dip, put them in a deep hole, and we've got to. We've got to help them demolish some of their strongholds, this gender fluidity and, you know, we're intolerant and we're homophobic and all that. And uh, it's because they are – I do have strongholds that I'm defending, Mm -hmm. you know. The Bible's the Word of God and and sin is sin and and right is right. Yeah, that's those those black and white areas. Yeah. Nothing gray about it. Um, And uh, so – when when you have a thought, I, I, it's a discipline, and I do it some. I mean, if it's a something important, I sort of do it. I think it's really important that we identify the source. Yeah. The, Flip Wilson used to say, the devil made me do it. Well, <laughs> I've, I'm more like a Tyler Perry who says I can get in trouble all by myself. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I think he's more right than Flip Wilson. Yeah. But um, uh, our flesh – and while I'm there, Watchman Nee and several people that were are dead now, and they were godly men, they warned of the end times church becoming increasingly soulish. Yeah. And so what happens is the flesh and the soul can so initiate our thinking – and if 
if we're not extremely careful and if we don't bounce it off each other, we can take a, a soulless thought and build up a, a great prophecy out of it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just to, so people may not understand when you say soulish, the soul deals with our emotions, yes. how we feel about something. And that's not a good indicator a lot of times no. because feelings are, are fake. Uh, they're, they're, they're flawed. And if we get caught up in that, and not truth. And not truth. Um, I, I have seen entire revivals, revivals that came through emotion. Yes. And it was as shallow as a wading pool because there was no depth to it, no no truth, because it was all about emotional. Uh, and as Pentecostals, we, sad to say, we are emotional creatures. And and if 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 you don't come to church and feel it. That's so soulish. Um, you know, God didn't move because I didn't feel nothing today. Well, and the soul is made up of the mind mm-hmm. and the will and the motion, right? And probably some intuitive functions also. But but the there, there's a whole group of emotional Christians who think the mind is evil. Yeah, yeah. You know, I I get these. I get these harsh looks, maybe not. I think most people are afraid to say what they really want to to me sometimes, <laughs> but I can tell what they're thinking. Yeah. And that is that, that they're thinking that I'm mental. Yeah. Well, God gave us a mind. Yeah. The, the mind is a very important element if it's in subjection to the spirit. Mm-hmm. The mind makes a horrible master, but it makes a wonderful servant. Right. So the mind has to be under subjection to the spirit, and when that happens, and we are spoke when we receive revelation. In my opinion, this is my opinion. But when we receive revelation, we have to evaluate it with critical thinking and reasoning. We can't just I feel I dreamed I did this and take it without any uh, rationale. Yeah. Uh, Jesus, we talked about it last time. Creation is systematic. Yeah. It's very, you know, God does, he gave us a mind, rightly dividing the word of truth, yes. renewing the mind, yeah. you know, and so the mind is an important function that we can't throw away. Now, I know in my people that came out of the same kind of background I did, they were just as soulish, but they were soulish in the mental section. Yeah. And so they said, you Pentecostals, you're just a bunch of emotional freaks, you know. And, and, and they, they were so mental, they couldn't, they, you couldn't get a smile out of them. I used to, you used to talk about sucking on sour persimmons, you know. So you can tell how spiritual some of you people are because you never smile, you know. And, and so they were just as soulish as, as the emotional. And so soulish, the soul makes a great servant. And the, the, the flesh, the, the body, the flesh is usually meant uh, who we are in Adam, but the body's not evil. Right. If it's in subjection to the, to the soul, in subjection to the spirit, in the right hierarchy, then we're in good shape. Yeah. You know, take, take every thought captive, and then uh, may your hands do the work of the Lord, you know. Mm-hmm. So, uh, self. That's a that's self's a problem. Yeah, Lord deliver. I, I think I prayed Sunday. Lord deliver us from us. Us. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We're the biggest enemy. Oh yeah. Uh, deliver us. The devil uh, will t- 
will will come in and establish a foothold or a, a stronghold, but we have to let him. You know, he he can't just come in and, and take it. And so what he does is when we do not deal with the weaknesses of the flesh, then those weaknesses open the door, a gate. They open the gate, open the door for the enemy to plant the thought, and then we embrace it. And then before long, we think it's our fault. I, I'm prone to say, you've probably heard me say it, the devil doesn't come and say, I'm, a de- I'm the devil coming to tempt you. He comes disguised as yourself. Yeah. And so they gain that foothold. And uh, uh, that, that God can rescue us, but it's not automatic. Right. We're born again. Uh, Oswald Chambers said something like, we are born again innocent, but we have to transform innocence into maturity by a series of moral choices. Yeah. We, we have to be intentional. Yes, intentional, I've, yes. I've learned in my walk with the Lord I've got to be diligent and I've got to be intentional. It, I cannot be passive because if I do, I'm leaving the door open to whatever. But if I'm intentional and I'm diligent, um, that, that makes all the difference. And uh, I, I have to press toward the mark yes. for the prize of the high calling of God. Well, I, I know that I'm not there yet. Yeah. I, I, I don't. I don't mean to be judgmental, but so many men and women of God act like they've arrived. Well, it I, scares me. I was brought up in a in a Christian culture that pretty well taught that when you got saved, you were as perfect as you were going to be, and that you you were never going to have to deal with sin again because you were holiness. Um, and if you couldn't deal with that then you were never going to make it. And we allowed no room for anybody to, to ever question anything, to, to, never, uh, to, to never just really get to the point that we say, I'm not there yet. So what do I do to fix this? Because if you, until you realize you've got a problem, you can't fix it. So if I have this, this notion that I'm already as, mm-hmm. as, as saved as I'm going to be, thank God that I learned one day that as a pastor, it's okay, it's proper for me to spend time in repentance. Amen. And and it, it's made all the difference in the world. And it causes me to be more gracious to people. Yes. Because I, I was so judgmental because I'm like, if I'm doing this, you can do this. Well, I wasn't really doing it. I just wasn't getting caught. <laughs> well, I like your statement you made a couple of weeks ago. Save, sanctify, fill the Holy Ghost, and then unfortunately satisfied. Yeah, yeah, yeah you added a satisfied it. to it. Yeah, and uh, uh, I, I really need mercy. Yeah, yeah. And if I'm gonna, like we talked last time, if I'm gonna be a recipient of mercy, I need to be a dispenser of mercy. Yeah, and. See, you can only give away what you have. And the only thing I really have is what God's given me. Yeah. And God says he gives grace to the humble. Yeah. This is, you may not be enjoying this, I don't know, but it's, I think it's really important for religious people to understand they don't have it all together. Right. And it, it's so freeing. It is. When you realize that it's because I lived under condemnation, even as a pastor. Early in my ministry, I lived under so much condemnation because I knew 
I've got to put out this front that I've got it all together, but I know in my heart. And when I was finally able to come to grips with it and be able to admit, um, made all the difference. Well, <coughs> I, there, there, I have a concept I've never developed into teaching, but we have fabricated personalities. Mm-hmm. It's so easy to pretend. Oh, yeah. So easy. It's so easy to know when to say, uh-huh. So easy to say, amen. It's so easy to know the terminology. Uh, I had a female engineer working for me one time. She got along with the people very well, and I asked her what was her secret one day. She worked for me, and she said, I listened, and I I adopted their terminology. She said, I learned how they talked, and I began to talk their language, and they began to trust me. Well, see, that's good in business, you know, but in the church, if we're not careful, it's not real. It's fabricated. I, I call it speaking perfect fluent Christianese. Yeah, yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's it. So uh, self is the biggie. Yeah. Uh, self-centeredness is prevalent. Man, yeah. I've had to fight that. I was an only child raised next to my grandmother and a great aunt. Uh, my parents didn't spoil me too much, but they did. Yeah, <laughs> and and so I really grew up thinking that the center of the world was on the corner of Mitchell and Salisbury Avenue in Old Fort. You know, I was right at the center of the universe. You know, so I've had to really deal with that, and I wish I'd have dealt with it sooner. But but this self centeredness is a horrible. It leads to a plethora of problems, yeah. and. Uh, uh, a lot of good people, but this prosperity teaching leads to self-centeredness yeah. and selfishness, and you know it's all about me. Uh, there was, I, I can't remember the song. You might remember the one song that's all about me. You know, <laughs> people sang that to me sometimes when I was a pastor. <laughs> they said it's all about you. So, <laughs> if we can deal with, if we can allow the Holy Spirit to fill us with His Spirit. And we deal with the flesh as quickly as possible and get rid of those things that are a part of the flesh, then that goes a long ways to resisting the devil. You said that spiritual warfare one time comes from, you know, it begins with innocence of Christ. Get filled with the Holy Ghost. Don't give the, don't, the, Satan is a little bit of a legalist. Oh. If yeah. it, he, he, he has to have an access, a, a door. Yeah. A gate. A gate. A gate. Yeah. And and gates are intended to let what you want in in and what you don't want in out. You know? So we need to we need to man the gates of our heart very diligently. But we have the the, the flesh, then we have the devil, and then what's bombarding us is the world. You can't you can't go anywhere without being bombarded with the lies of the world. And uh it's just so sad. So what I'd like to say is, is, you know, when you when somebody's dealing with something with you that you're not sure about, then just go to the Lord and say, show me the source. And then he, he may answer it immediately, and it may take weeks. But show me the source of where it's coming from. Yeah. Trace that back. You know, you, you can trace. You, we got into it. 
uh, I sort of helped him out of some trouble last night for those of y'all who are here. <laughs> and he helped me out of some trouble. I believe I dug a deep hole. But we got, we about got back in Genesis chapter one through three and we could have stayed there all night and on, you know. And so, so much of that traces back. To what we to the Genesis, the fall, yeah. and um, you shall be as gods. So much of that traces back, and that's the philosophy of the world right now. They're teaching us that we shall be as gods. Yeah. So, uh, number one is say, Lord, am I sure that the source is the Word of God and the Spirit of God? Not not my soul, not my intellect, not my will, not what my granddaddy said. You know, and then then after that, once you do that, recognize it. Re- recognize that that. It's okay to not be perfect. It's okay. Oh, say that again. It's okay not to be perfect. Oh, I, where were you 40 years ago? You wouldn't have listened to me because I was one of those blankly blank charismatic. <laughs> but that, that was the way I grew oh, up. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. That I, I, I not – I had to be perfect. I had to oh. be. Because – and. Oh, I became. I, I I couldn't deal with it in my mind. I, I constantly had to deal with that stronghold in my life that I am never going to measure up, but I can't tell nobody. Uh, and oh, it was so freeing when I realized I, I'm. I don't have to be perfect. Now, now the, the writer of Hebrews said, "Let us go on mm. to perfection." We're striving for it. Um. But. Well, when I studied Hebrews, some commentator said something I liked. He said, uh, in that sense, it's a maturity. Yeah. You look at an apple and say, that's a perfect apple. Well, it may not be absolutely perfect, but it's ready for for being harvested. Yeah. That that kind of perfection. You know, right. we, we're, uh, we're aiming for the perfection we'll have when we see Jesus. Yeah. I remember, and I, it, wasn't, it wasn't big stuff at the time. It was probably 20 years ago. It was irritation with people and, you know, uh, wanting to say things that I had enough sense not to say, <laughs> you know. I mean, you know, but it was a struggle, and and that might have been why I had open heart surgery because I had to hold so much in, you know, because my personality is sort of caustic, you know. It was something like that. It was it wasn't running around with women or stealing money or anything like. It wasn't, you know, but but it was serious. I mean, you know, you have to deal with it. And I remember the I remember the the first night I told the church I told them several times after that I said if you're expecting a perfect pastor go somewhere else. Yeah. I, there there is a religious spirit that has been a I admit it was a stronghold in my life because it held me to a standard that I could never attain to. And I'm not preaching license at all. No, 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 no. But it, it, it kept me under condemnation. And I had to, like you said, I had to recognize that to get free from it. Um, and, and it made all the and, – and now I've come to the point that there is no spirit that I despise more than a religious spirit. Um, I bow up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I do. Uh, a Jezebel spirit. And a religious spirit, I, I have, I have to exercise as much self control as I can conjure up. Yeah. I mean, I'm honest. I, I want to unload, yeah. you know, and and I I, I detest it. I yeah. detest it, and I can I can sense it in five minutes of a conversation. And I've lost friends over it. Oh, because I I would confront it and say, look, yeah. We ain't there yet. It's dangerous. It is. It's it's Absolutely. horribly dangerous. Yeah. And we're not talking about license to sin. Right. We're just talking about the fact that that 
we're all human. Yeah. And about that same time, I, I told the congregation, I said, uh, people say they want a human pastor. They're lying. Most most churchgoers want somebody they can put on a pedestal. Well, hard to believe, but I've been put on a pedestal a time or two, and every time God knocks it off. Yeah. the the fall The fall off of a pedestal is a horrible is a horrible thing to endure. Oh yeah, yeah. Now I hope I hope we're talking to some of you religious folks, and I hope you don't get mad at us because I'm not a I'm not against you. Okay, I'm not against you. I just want you to begin to see. So that you can recognize it, and then once you recognize it, uh, this is another four-letter word: responsibility. Oh, I I was hoping you were going to get here because this is something God doesn't do for us. Oh, He doesn't. He says if it's going to be done, you got to take the initiative. Uh, I don't know if it's number three. It's somewhere between victim victim mentality and whiners. It's just three or four. I don't know. This this victim mentality drives me bonkers. Oh. <laughs> We're talking about a things pastor, that drive us bonkers. We're being honest with you now today. You, the, you don't have to publicize this if you don't want to. What one of the pastor's greatest nightmares? One of one of the hardest things <laughs> that pastors have to deal with is a victim mentality. Yeah, it, it really is. It, it's that wife you gave me. It's yeah. that woman. Yeah. It's that woman you gave me. <laughs> yeah. Or it's that man you gave me. Yeah, and and. Uh, so you have to take responsibility, and that you don't hear much about that. Right. We have to be respond. We have to take responsibility, well, especially in our society. Yeah. Our society says, you know, it's always somebody else's fault. Yeah. That your way the way you are is because of somebody. No, I don't have to live in that. And we talked about generational curses. Yeah. I can break that. Yes. It doesn't have to just because, you know, we talked about just because my mama. Might have. I mean, my mom and dad are still living, but just because my mama died of cancer, I'm going to die of cancer. That, no, no. I take the responsibility to say it stops here. Yeah, that, yeah. And and it's been my experience with others and myself that when you take responsibility and you come humbly before God, He kicks it in a hypergraph for you. Yeah. He yeah. really, He really comes through yeah. when you humble yourself before Him. Uh, I had this realization a few years ago, and I've said it often since then, is why hide it from God? He knows it. Yeah. You know, quit trying. You might hide it from me, but you're not going to hide it from God. So yeah. you take the responsibility, and and uh, then you repent. That repentance is a great means of grace. I don't know why people hesitate to repent. I try to repent quick. I, I have a lot of practice because of my personality. <laughs> but but there are some people, I, sometimes I talk to people and they say, well, I don't do anything wrong. Well, you, <laughs> well, you lie. Yeah. <laughs> You're full of pride and arrogance. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then you, you have to go another step, and that is you have to renounce it. Mm-hmm. Just because uh, the step men had a propensity for anger. I can't use that as an excuse. I have to take responsibility for it and repent of it, and then I have to renounce it. Yeah. And I have to say, I renounce you, anger. And I don't know how – this may not be 100% biblically ac- ac- accurate, but I get I get benefit from assigning personalities to those kinds of things. 
they're not all no, they're not all demonic, but boy, the demons can jump on there. The the, the 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 demonic personality loves to jump into anger, and all of a sudden that anger takes on the personality of the demon. But 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 I I like to say anger you don't you're not going to have control over me anymore, and uh, so then the fifth one is uh, you have to remove it. Yeah, just you have to get rid of it. Just, and again, goes back to responsibility. He he's not going to do that for us. Mm-hmm. We we have to we have to do that. Make no provision. My my dad taught me one of my favorite sayings, probably my motto that I try to live by: make no provision for failure. And that's up to me. That's right. And then after that, uh, the devil's evil and wicked. Don't so don't take what I'm saying wrong. But he's very good at what he does. Demons are very good at it. They are persistent. Yeah. So after you've done all, gone all through that, and go, then what happens? The next morning, they're knocking on your door again. You have yeah. to learn how to resist it. Yeah. After you've renounced it and done all that, you have to learn how to resist it. Yeah. And then at some point in time, as you're going through this, the quicker you can get into rejoicing, the better off you are. Yeah. I love the uh, horseman rider song, I Will Sing Unto the Lord, you know, and uh He's cast the chariots of, of the enemy into the water, and the sooner we can rejoice in that. Rejoicing is a powerful spiritual warfare weapon. Yeah. And, and you know it, one thing, and I know we don't have a lot of time, oh, I but I, I want to make sure you get to those oh, points. I'm, I'm, through, this is, I'm done. This is, the, this is where we needed to go. It was practical steps to to do away with those strongholds. Yes. And I was hoping that's where we were going. Yeah, yeah. You know, we don't talk about this ahead of time. We, we, we don't just, have a script. Yeah, off the cuff. But but one of the things that I've learned are actions that I can take to to help facilitate that process. You were talking about rejoicing. One thing that I've learned is when when I when I've just come through a victory, I've just come through tearing down a stronghold to to fill my life with I mean I I'm a musician I will fill my my office my home wherever I am um with with worship music that because the enemy he has a hard time yelling over the praises that are coming forth and so I, that I love that I had never thought about. It. I thought about the repentance, and I thought about some of the other things, but the rejoicing part. I, I like that. I'd never thought of that before. Well, and the sooner you can get into that, remember it was a, a real popular book years ago, uh, "Power and Praise." Yeah, and you know you you praise Him in all things. Uh, I'd like to end with just this brief story. Uh, uh, dark period in my life uh, my youngest son had just been informed that his cancer had come back mm-hmm. I was I was mush I was, I'd fought when it came the first time I was the man of faith and when and I knew he was healed and when it came back I just was horrible so hard when you, your faith is violated. Yeah, yeah. It was just, and uh, he he handled it a lot better than I did. Mm-hmm. And uh, so Lynn and I were in trouble. Well, the, the day after, the day or two after he got diagnosed, I'm sitting on the porch feeling sorry for myself. And one of one of my praise leaders, we were sort of like co-praise leaders of 55 year old woman. Uh, they the daughter actually called me, but her husband, who was like 58, dropped over dead in the yard, mm-hmm. and. Uh, 
so that Sunday, we were going to have his funeral. And we were going to go to the doctors the next week and find out what we needed to do for our son. It was a pretty tough time. And I remember that that family that had just lost the man, and me and Lynn and whoever else in my family, we were all at the altar worshiping. And you know what? That's victory. Yeah. That's victory. When, when, and, and a little later in my life, I found out that Jonah worshiped God from the belly of the whale. And all of a sudden, I had the realization that that's perfected praise. Yeah. So, so, we got the victory, ladies, ladies and gentlemen, yeah. brothers and sisters. We got the victory, but I am not going to tell you that it's easy. It, I've seen more people give up than I've seen not. Right. Don't give up. No matter what you're going through, don't give up. Yeah. Go through those steps. Identify the source. Rebuke the devil. But you, you can't cast out the flesh. Right. You can cast out the devil, but you have to crucify the flesh. Oh, another. Oh, and the crucifixion is another, yeah. another four-letter word. I heard Leonard Ravenhill say one time, "Worship of the cross is easy. Worship on the cross is a whole different matter." <laughs> That's right. And uh, Bill Heimer wrote a book that said, uh, "Come down from the cross." He said, "There, the crowds out there yelling at Jesus, come off the cross if you be the Son of God." Yeah. I've heard that. Yeah. You have to. Yeah. If you if if you think you're you think you're one of these sons of God, just come off the cross. Yeah. Can't come off the cross. No. Paul said, I am crucified with him. Daily. And nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me in the life that I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me. He loved me, me and gave himself for me. We serve a wonderful God. Yes, we do. Well, to to the ones listening, I hope we haven't rambled too much, or I haven't, and I hope you've gotten something out of it, and I hope that you get a resolve that uh, circumstances are going to uh, go good to bad and bad to good, and don't don't let circumstances rule your life. Yeah. Uh, try to get at the source and try to deal with it, and if it's something you're doing that's not very smart, stop doing it. Yeah. And uh, I would like to pray. Amen. I believe there's somebody that's going to be watching this, Philip, that's going to be delivered. This, this was, oh, this is so powerful. And I, I just feel like that, that when you're praying, somebody might be watching it two weeks after we do this, but still that prayer is going to touch them. And I, I just believe it's important. So absolutely, let's. Um, well, Lord, help us. Give us discernment. Yes. I really want to understand uh Sources. Is sources important? Is it myself? Is it my mind? Is it my soul? Is it my flesh? Is it the devil? Or is it just the bombardment of opening the door to the world's lies? Help me understand the source. Help us understand the source. If it's the self, let us learn how to die to self. If it's the devil, let us learn how to rebuke him. If it's the world, let us learn how to shut the gate. Shed the gate to all the bombardment of lies. So, Lord, help us to recognize, and then let, help us to take responsibility, Lord. I take responsibility for my my sinfulness. Uh, I wish I'd never sinned, but when I sin, I want to take responsibility so I can repent. So after I take responsibility and say, it's not my wife's fault, it's not my preacher's fault, it's not 
so-and-so's fault. It's, it's my, I take responsibility for me, and I repent. And then, Lord, I want to renounce those sins, those sources, those impetuses in my life that caused me to fall short of the glory of God. I renounce them. And then, Lord, I'm going to remove them. And, Lord, I, it's not a problem with me, and I, and for a lot of us it's not. But if a man's got a problem with Internet pornography, get rid of the computer. Yeah. You know, remove it. If I, Lynn can't buy ice cream and put it in the refrigerator because I'll eat it. She has to remove that ice cream. Uh, I'm, I'm strong enough not to buy it, but I'm not strong enough not to eat it if it's in the refrigerator. So we have to remove those kind of sins. So if you're if you're dealing with that kind of thing, just stop doing it. If learn what's not good for you, and stop doing it. And then, Lord, uh, we resist the enemy as he comes back and trying to uh, lie to us again and get gain entry again, gain a foothold, gain a stronghold again. We learn teach us to resist. We will resist as we we learn these things, Lord. And then, Lord, may we be a people who rejoice. And you know, it's sort of at the end of my list, but. You know, I think it, it could be at the first of the list. Lord, teach us to be a people who realizes that there's power in, in prayer and power in praise and that we're just going to be a rejoicing people and help us to be people who show the beauty of the Lord as well as the, the holiness of God. Truth. Truth is beautiful, really. Holiness is beautiful, but may we not misrepresent you. And... So, Lord, I just pray for the ones here. I do pray that I agree with my brother that people could could take some major steps today to be delivered from sickness and bitterness and unforgiveness and uh, envy and jealousy and lust and all the things that affect us by going through these simple steps. Give us, give us the discipline and the perseverance to stay with you in the dark times and the good times. I thank you for this. I pray that people will receive revelation. And I know that as they pray in the name of Jesus, you'll be faithful to show them what they need to see in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Phil, this has been powerful today. Um, and if, if, you, if you're watching or you're listening and uh, whatever format you're on um, and, and you've been touched today or if you have questions about what we've talked about, please email us. The email address is very simple outflow at outflow.online outflow at outflow.online we would love to hear from you if god has touched you today through this teaching um, or if you have questions if you're struggling with something right now with a stronghold in your life we want to pray for you so write us and tell us please pray for me um, but um be, be willing to take the responsibility to break that over your life, and, and God will help you. He'll give you the, the grace to do it. Uh, thank you so much for making Outflow part of your day. Uh, please, if you haven't done so already, please subscribe on whatever platform you're using. Just click that subscribe button um, and, and also spread the word. Tell your family and friends you need to listen to these guys. And so hopefully something's touched you today and, and you'd be willing to do that for us. Um, I'm Alan King, coming to you with my friend Philip Stepp, coming to you from the studios of River of Life Church in Valdez, North Carolina. And uh, tune in again next time. Thank you so much for joining us. Now, get out there and be blessed. And while you're at it, be a blessing.